0: Hello and welcome to The Spectator's Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about the biggest political event of this year, the 2016 US presidential election. My name is Freddie Gray and I'm Deputy Editor of The Spectator and I'm joined by Kate Andrews from Republicans Overseas UK and down the line from New York, Michael Brendan Doherty, the conservative writer and a columnist for the US edition of The Week. And in this edition, we'll be asking the dread question on everybody's lips. Can Donald Trump actually win this thing? The odds on a Trump presidency have been shortening for weeks. Most bookmakers are now offering something like six to four on him reaching the White House, whereas you could have got over 100 to one just over a year ago. And that's because the polls have shown him catching Hillary Clinton, not just nationally, but also in crucial swing states like Ohio and briefly this week in Florida. So, Kate, do you, first of all, do you think Donald Trump can actually win? And secondly, do you in any way want him to win?
1: We've been talking about how this is Hillary Clinton's race to lose and now I think it's borderline Donald Trump's race to win. Uh, the polls are getting much, much closer and I think as you did see over here during the Brexit vote, uh, as you even saw in 2012, uh, the polls did slightly overestimate the the left. Uh, Barack Obama did win in the end, but it was closer than a lot of people thought it might be. Uh, I think there's a real possibility for Donald Trump to win. If you look at where the swing states are right now, places like Florida and Ohio are looking quite red. They're looking like they're leaning towards the Republicans. Now, a lot can happen in six weeks. I'm not sure Florida will stay in Donald Trump's camp, but I think a lot of this could come down to the debates. If he appears presidential and competent in any way, I think he could actually win over more support. Um, Do I want it to happen? Uh, I'm going to be depressed on November 9th either way. Um, (laughs) And I keep trying to tell myself that there are positives to both sides. I have to be optimistic. But uh, no, I'm I'm not going to be happy either way.
0: Uh, So, Michael, I know you're not a gambling man, but um,
2: would you punt on Trump? I would not. I would still bet on Hillary Clinton. Her leads in the polls tend to be bigger and just the shape of the the electoral map in the United States still favors her. I I think if you were going to see a surprise Trump win, which is possible, you would look for it in places like Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, a few states like that. You can tell yourself a story that, you know, like Brexit, there's the polls are undercounting some parts of the electorate. Donald Trump is activating some New voters that are typically not counted or considered in polling and surveys. Um, yeah, I it, it so you can tell yourself a story of how you would be surprised. There, there's there have been electoral surprises this year, but I just don't think he can do it. He's too unpopular with women. Uh, his numbers with minority voters are terrible. Quite a
0: lot has been said about sort of Trump's strategy being a, a turnout the white vote, but actually, I mean, I believe he's polling worse than Romney did with whites. So, is it possible for him to win then?
2: It is possible if, if, in a sense, if we're polling the wrong white people, you know, if yeah, if in a sense like we're we're, uh, you know, that some of the difference in Trump's vote turns out to be the sort of people who demographically. Are undercounted by pollsters, so I I do think it's a long shot. It is possible, though. I mean, I think like a lot of people have pointed out, everyone went to bed in Britain thinking that um, the Remainers had it, and then they woke up and saw that that wasn't the case. You know. The,
0: yes, and Donald Donald Trump flew in to tell us. Right,
2: and so it's he's not he's not so far behind. You would say it's over, and of course, you know, events can happen. I mean, if if like something crazy, if Hillary Clinton collapses in the next debate uh, next week, um, you know, that could change things. So, Kate, how, how do you think the debates are going to play out?
1: Well, it's really hard to say. Donald Trump is very good at shooting himself in his own foot. Oftentimes no one has to do anything that will still lead to him messing up quite badly. So I think it's incredibly hard to predict. But, you know, to go to this point about Brexit and is it similar, I I don't think everything's similar about the vote. Uh, But what you really had in Brexit was, you know, people up in the north voting in these mass numbers that Mm. nobody expected. In a weird way, you could almost see the reverse happening in the states for Hillary Clinton, where people in New York and California and really left-wing hotbeds come out in mass numbers. But Donald Trump, in these debates and in the next few weeks, is able to convince those voters we were talking about, a lot of white working class voters in places like New Hampshire and Pennsylvania, that he's the better bet. Uh, Gallup released that ridiculously interesting survey a few days ago about what words are most associated with Clinton and Trump. And it is just damning for Clinton. For the past three months, the top words associated with her are email, foundation, lies, health, pneumonia. And for Trump, it's still some pretty ugly stuff as well. It's words like immigration in Mexico and we know why that's bad. We know he's been in the news for bad reasons. But you know what, for a lot of people who aren't paying all that much attention, they might not. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think in these next seven weeks, depending on how it all plays out and how these debates play out, Donald Trump standing on that stage looking presidential and bringing up her emails as much as possible could have a big effect.
0: Michael, there was a really interesting uh, Ross Douthat piece, I think it was yesterday, about the Democrats' uh, Samantha B. problem. I didn't know about Samantha B., but I had to look her up afterwards. And she's sort of very much a kind of uh, a late night, virtue signalling comedian and we we have quite a few in the UK as well and there was a feeling with Brexit and I don't want to overdo the Brexit comparison but there was a feeling with Brexit that the sheer level of uh, abhorrence for the idea of Brexit on social media and in the media and on the late night channels prompted an angry reaction among the public that they didn't want to be lectured and told what how to vote and how to think by these slightly sort of irritating metropolitan types do you think something similar could happen w- with Hillary Clinton?
2: I th- I think that is very much at work. I do think that you know these these late night comedians they have relatively small audiences, but the, those audiences are exaggerated over social media and amplified. You know there is a sense in which Donald Trump is the is the dissenting candidate, but I think that the phenomenon is even larger in the sense of. Hillary Clinton is the is the candidate sort of of official America of, of the stats from the you know Federal Reserve saying that America's at full empl- employment right now things are going well the economy is recovered we're steadily growing and Donald Trump is the voice saying that well the stats are fake they don't count people look in your communities you you know what's really going on and so there is sort of this sense that Donald Trump Uh, is also the candidate of this kind of invisible America whose problems are not seriously addressed in Washington, particularly economic problems. Um, You know, in in a sense, like, what do Americans feel is true? Do they feel that that the Obama economy is very good, that Hillary Clinton, who's running on continuing its success, is connected to reality? Or do they feel that Donald Trump sort of, Contesting the official numbers and stats about our jobs, about uh, economic health, do they feel he's closer to the mark? And right now, polls indicate that it's on the economy that that Trump is strongest with voters.
0: Which is odd, because I mean, assuming it's not all some giant conspiracy, I mean, the American economy is performing relatively well in the last year, is it not?
2: Yeah, it seems like the economy is is performing well, and the and unemployment is very low uh historically right now but the decline the continuing decline of the american workforce that is the number of people actually working that you know um, there's a new book out this week by nicholas eberstadt saying that there's about seven to ten million american men who should be working but are not even counted as unemployed they don't have jobs they don't do any paid work and you can imagine that these people, in a sense, are not counted as unemployed, and yet they are dependent on older parents, on girlfriends, on uh, their their friends for help. And so there may be a view of the economy that that uh, things are worse than these stats really say. Yeah. And
0: Kate, is it is it very much a, a male white phenomenon that Trump has to tap? It? I mean, I've read I've read a survey saying it has to be seven in ten white male voters Trump has to win. Is that true?
1: Yeah. I mean, if he's going to win this election, it will predominantly be because he won over this mass white working class male vote, many of whom might have been Reagan Democrats, maybe voted for Bill Clinton, maybe haven't cast a vote in decades. Uh, But people who finally feel like they're back in the political equation because somebody represents them. But this is a really interesting point about Trump. He didn't have to narrow himself down into that group. Again, all of his comments that he made about women and about minorities were completely unprompted. These were things that nobody called on him to do or pressured him into a corner to say. They're certainly not things that were taken out of context and, you know, oh, well, maybe if you read the whole script, you wouldn't see it in that light. No, he, he did that himself. And the women issue is, is particularly interesting because, you know, going after professional women on a debate stage, as he did with Megyn Kelly a few months back during the primary season, it was just so uncalled for. I think Trump could have had a lot more support from different demographics if he hadn't himself tried to alienate them. And, And that is truly fascinating. If we do look at the other side, though, you know, Hillary Clinton's been going after millennials and a lot of her supporters, her hardcore supporters have been saying, you know, millennials, you need to get on board, you need to vote for Hillary Clinton. And a lot of young people, men and women, are rejecting that too. They're looking to these third parties now because they don't think either candidate is representative of their opinions.
0: But wouldn't the feeling be in the Trump camp that, I mean, George Bush made great play about his appeal to minorities and, you know, a a Republican candidate who black people could vote for, and he made a 2% Shift in that from nine to eleven percent, which is pretty insignificant. Whereas if Trump can just, regardless of sort of morality and what's the right thing to do, whereas if Trump can just up the the white vote by three percent, that's a that's a more significant game for him?
1: It would be a significant game for him. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard. I think that is the game he's playing. And he's just had some luck in the sense that people responded very badly to Clinton's health scare. And the polls a few weeks after that's happened have now shown that his support with m- different minority groups has actually gone up significantly. No evidence because he said anything to win them over, but because they were really turned off by her health scandal. So I think he's experiencing some luck there. Um, and I, I do think he, he's playing sort of a one mission game trying to get one kind of group on board, it's a risky game to play.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: And I think if he wins, it will mostly be down to luck and down to the fact that people just didn't see Hillary Clinton as being a viable option.
0: And Michael, is there an extent to which Trump has to be seen to appeal to minorities more, not because of the gain that he can have with minorities, but because there are enough white Americans who are invested in political correctness, who want to feel that Trump is not a racially unacceptable candidate. And so he needs to sort of appeal to minorities to win more white voters. Is, is there a bit of that?
2: I th- Yeah, I think that's actually one of his biggest problems, in a sense, is that he, he activates the loyalty of his white working class base by running this edgy campaign and, and saying racist things. He sort of demonstrates himself as liberated from the constraints of political correctness. And that excites a huge base of voters. The problem is it will continue to turn off moderate Republican women who live in the suburbs of Philadelphia or Pittsburgh uh, or in New Hampshire. And those are voters he would also need to win. And I don't know if he's successfully... Come over this problem. Uh, I don't think he has a good strategy for it, except you know Trump's instinct is to just generate interest and excitement. I mean, one of the one of his ideas for his his reality television show, The Apprentice, was to have a battle of the races and an all-white <laughs> team and an all-black team, and I think he feels that that's just sort of it gives everyone something to root for. And so I don't know though that his appearances this week in in a black church or, or elsewhere, you know, really work, you know, he comes across as just an interloper, uh, who doesn't understand that those audiences at all.
0: Well, and I suppose this Kate, this is a uh, maybe for another discussion. But I suppose that leaves the question what happens, let's say Trump loses, what happens to that angry white vote after Trump? What happens to the Republican Party? What happens to the American right?
1: Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I mean, I don't think the Republican Party can ever fully go back really to the days of Jeb Bush after this. But I do think that a Trump loss means that in four years time, there's a very real chance that you will have a trump light option running in 2020 against an incumbent Hillary Clinton. And that is probably somebody who many Republicans will endorse because they won't have the nasty rhetoric that Trump comes along with. But they might implements a lot of these populist ideas that Trump has actually had so much success with. So I don't think the Republican Party will ever fully go back. Um, But I I, I think that if Trump loses, that will be a sign that Trump's kind of politics and his kind of rhetoric doesn't win nationally. Um, I also think, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Republican Party, obviously, because Donald Trump has hijacked it. And it just seems like this um, very intense moment in American history. But Bernie Sanders, he was never going to beat Hillary Clinton to the nomination, but he ran an uncomfortably close campaign to her. And I can definitely imagine a scenario, not this year, but in four or eight years' time, where a very similar thing happens in the Democratic Party, and we don't understand how somebody of a very far-left agenda has taken over the Democratic Party. And I wonder over the next decade, and, and this is a conversation for a different time, I suppose, but I wonder over the next de- decade what the trajectory is for America's political parties. Can we sustain a two-party system? And if we do, is it still right wing versus left wing or does it become a little more populist versus globalism and do the parties realign? I, I think it'll be fascinating to watch all that play out.
0: That's very interesting. Uh, Michael, what do you think? Do you, do you think Trump light is p- perhaps quite an attractive option to American conservatives?
2: I So theoretically, it makes sense, right, that there there could be some kind of blending of the Paul Ryan vision of the Republican Party, the old conservative movement, and this new Trump phenomenon. The problem is, who would it be? I mean, we, the Republican Party doesn't have, like, a, a big Trump wing in Congress or among governors, or at least if it does, it, it, that, that part of the party hasn't shown its face in any way. So I, I do wonder if after, if if Trump loses, if we'll wake up and it's just Paul Ryan's party again, and, and there's really nothing, there may be a few conferences in D.C., and New York, to try to talk about the future of the Republican Party, but that there's no substantive change, that Trump was just this meteor...
0: And also, Kate, I mean, the, the Republican Party have embarrassed themselves quite a lot by sort of, sort of siding slightly with Trump and then moving away and not quite being able to commit to this extraordinary well, phenomenon they call yeah, I mean,
1: I, I am personally disappointed that a lot of people I respect in the Republican Party have endorsed him. I, I refuse to do so because I just don't think you should associate with certain comments he's made. I also do have levels of sympathy. They're really hoping that the Republicans can keep the Senate, and if Hillary Clinton is elected, she will have opposing her in the House and the Senate or Republican wing, and she'll be forced to compromise, so I understand strategically what they're trying to do, and I do agree, we could wake up, and you know on November 9th, everything could be back to normal, but my suspicion is that this populist rhetoric is very popular, not just with Trump supporters who have come out of hiding, but frankly with the Bernie Sanders supporters who are also rejecting many aspects of globalization, and I, I'm i not saying that someone like Donald Trump is going to win year upon year in the Republican Party from now on, but I do think that we will see politicians really being forced into more of a populist rhetoric going forward I think it's going to happen on the right and I think it very well may happen on the left which breaks my heart, that's not the Republican Party uh, I would support yeah. uh, but I do think it's gained a lot of traction.
0: But to, to return to the theme of this podcast, if he does win would you carry on being a Republican? It's a really you...
1: good question, I would I, w- I would struggle if, if, I, if Donald Trump is going to be the future of the Republican Party I would struggle, at the moment I think the party is still much bigger than Donald Trump so yeah. it would really depend on how things played out.
0: And Michael, as as a sort of conservative intellectual, dare I call you, assuming Trump wins, does the job of sort of can out you as a Catholic, a Catholic conservatives become, you know, to try and restrain the sort of forces of populism in a more moral direction, and in a less, I suppose, combative and, and vulgar direction?
2: I, I mean, I think so. I mean, whatever uh, limited powers intellectuals really have on this. I mean, I think we more <laughs> analyze these things than shape or influence them. You know, yeah, I think, the, I think the proper response to people who care about ideas in politics is to, to be a sort of half step away from uh, the party that is closest to them. So, you know, I think, you know, I, I would have been very critical of the Bush administration uh, over eight years ago, and I expect I would be very critical of Trump. So we'll see. It, it also depends on, okay, if he wins, what becomes his relationship with Congress what kind of working relationship actually emerges. You know, my, my thinking is that, though I don't welcome a Trump presidency, in a sense, the presidency imposes so many obligations and so many constraints on a man's power, uh, you know, he would be unable to write so many checks with his mouth that he, he yeah. can't cash as president.
0: Yes. And do you think sort of, I suppose journalists have talked a lot about the erosion of the checks and balances over the last 50 years. And I suppose with a Trump presidency, Kate, we might see a return of the checks and balances because there'll be so much resistance to him as a president?
1: Sure. Well, someone like Senator Rand Paul's been coming out now and saying, look, you know, these laws that we have surrounding the president's ability to go to war and and to use our military force without Congress's approval for a given period of time, maybe that's not a great idea. You know, maybe we need to really get our checks and balances in place. Because what if someone like Trump, frankly, what if someone like Hillary Clinton is in the office and and decides to use that power in a very abusive way? And I, I think there's people are waking up to the realities of those checks and balances but i completely agree domestically a president trump can only go so far uh without the wholehearted approval of the house and the senate so um i'm much less concerned about what a president trump does domestically in terms of policy because he can't propose much or do much without consent i'm concerned about generally speaking how we will all feel living under somebody who holds the views that he does i think it takes us back very far
0: and thank you. And, and and Michael, just quickly, I mean, I suppose then the danger is a Hillary Clinton presidency in which everyone is so relieved that it's not Trump, that they forget about the American Constitution and, constitution and they let her really take America to pieces. Is that is that how you feel?
2: I, I mean, I think, listen, it's the gathering trend, right, is if what I was calling official America is happy with the president. Uh, and they will be with Clinton, there are very few checks. I mean, right now the United States is is involved in four separate civil wars in the Middle East, none of them with congressional approval or even really the approval of the American public, or at least not in a sustained way. So um, it's hard to know. I think most of the checks, though, have been removed on foreign policy. In the domestic sphere, presidents are still very much limited by not just what Congress will sign, but really just the limit of public opinion, which still favors the status quo in many ways.
0: Well, Michael and Kate better wrap it up there, but um, thank you very much indeed.